The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Episode of Positive Talk Radio. It is Monday afternoon, and and I just love talking to this gentleman. He is a, a marvelous soul. He's got a great book out. He's got actually a bunch of books out. He's an author. Um, he also is a playwright now, I understand. And uh, he also has been working with a charity that is, I think, got a great, great cause. And we're going to talk about all of that with Stephen Murray right now. Stephen, welcome to Positive Talk Radio. How are you? Hey, thank you, Kevin. I'm just fine. And how about yourself? It's lovely to be back on your show again. It's wonderful. But now, remember the last time you were on my show, it was my independence report. That's correct. It was indeed, but it was the same concept, positive. It yes, it is. It's uh, what I found was that uh, positive talk radio is is you know when they talk about branding and getting your niche right and all that kind of stuff, it's it's clearer as to what the content is of positive talk radio versus um, my independent report. But it, I, but he still has his episode up on my independent report. If you want to go there, that's still available to you. And you can go to uh, myindependentreport.com and just uh, uh, search for Stephen Murray. And you can uh, watch that show, which we talked about his books at the time. But he's now written another book. And, um, and it's a complete departure for him because the, the other books were murder mystery type things. And this is uh, uh, Discovering Christmas Spirit. What made you decide to write this one? <laughs> Uh, good question, Kevin. Uh, as, as you mentioned, the last book I wrote was a uh, crime fiction. Yep. It was about three ladies that work for the most exclusive escort agency in Las Vegas, where I live. And I have to mention, I did no research on that book. <laughs> <laughs> it was all imagination, 100%. I was and these three ladies, um, they decided to come up with a plot to get rid of the guy that runs it because he treated them like dirt. And... Um, you know, with these ladies as they plan and plot and connive and scheme to execute the murder and actually follow through with it and then have to live with the consequences. And I spent two years writing that book and um, I was kind of drained from dealing with the sleazy side of Las Vegas and the blackmail and the libel and all the seedy side and I wanted to write something different. And the book came out in July and I just had to be flicking channels one night and I happened to land on Hallmark celebrating their Christmas in July. And I kind of like those movies, but they all seem to be pretty much the same, you know, with somebody at Christmas, they've got this high pressure job in New York and they've got to go back to the small little town and meet their childhood sweetheart and what have you. 
And I thought, you know, I'd like, just like to have a stab at writing something warm and fuzzy, feel good. And that's what I did. I sat down and sat and wrote a, um, just a very warm, uplifting Christmas book. Well, you know, what's, I was just reading the uh, synopsis to it. And uh, that particular book, I think you should write a screenplay around that. I think it would make a great, great Christmas movie because basically as a result of an unfortunate accident, five injured passengers find themselves stranded in a quaint remote village for the duration of the Christmas holiday where they have to confront some of their demons. And they learn that would be a very interesting study, case study of, of human behavior and, and, and how people react to one another and, and stuff like that. I, th I think that'd be a great Christmas movie. Well, thank you, Kevin. I, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I, it is more of a character driven story. You're absolutely right. Um, and some of the people who re reviewed it have said, you don't necessarily need to read this book at Christmas. It just happens to take place at, at Christmas time in this Christmas Carol village where the people live it all year long, but it is a case study in, in the relationships of personalities and, and how people react to different things and how they're affected by their environment and what have you. And Oh, exactly. Uh, I'm hoping that I, I don't know anything about screenplays, Kevin. I think that's probably going beyond my, the limit of my talents. Um, but I am hoping that someone somewhere along the way will discover it and, and push it towards a, um, a television station or a movie producer, somebody like that. I think all five of the novels that I've produced could pitch up on TV. I, I, I think that you're right. You know, and, and by the way, just as, as an aside, when my kids were smaller and it was the mid-80s or the early 90s, our two favorite Christmas movies, it really had nothing to do with Christmas except they played Christmas music in them. One was Die Hard with Bruce Willis and the other one was Lethal Weapon with uh, Mel Gibson. Oh, my. Uh, because they, they were set in the Christmas time, but they weren't necessarily, it didn't revolve around the holiday. It just happened to be in the background. So this this could be one of those, but it could be a very, uh, it could be a really cool uh, Christmas special or a Christmas uh, uh, movie. So we'll put the word out there that a screenwriter comes to you and, and decides to take one of your books and, and turn it into a movie. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Now, you're doing all kinds of different stuff right now, including your writing. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the co-authorship of the uh, project you're working on. Um, yes, it's it's a play. Um, one of your previous guests you had on, I think, um, just after I was on last year, her name was Nancy Nelson. And Nancy Nelson's a very good friend of mine, and uh she was diagnosed with early alzheimer's about eight or nine years ago and over the years we've tried to do some fundraising for alzheimer's association through selling books and so on and so forth and a couple of years ago we took that play love letters by a.r gurney i don't know if you've ever read it but it's a heard of it play for two people or i don't know if you've seen it i should say play for two people and it's they just sit side by side and they read the script and um, it's about two people that start writing when they were kids and they go through a period of like 50, 60 years. And, um, 
that's the storyline, just that them corresponding between each other. And we thought we might want to do something similar, but specialize on Alzheimer's. And she would write, it would be two people who were childhood sweethearts, if you will, they went there. They were high school prom king and queen and they lose track of each other and they reconnect, you know, some 40 odd years later. And as they start writing to each other or emailing to each other in this day and age, um, she is diagnosed with onset Alzheimer's and I have a relation. Uh, I have a twin sister who's developed Alzheimer's. And so I take on the role as caregiver and it's really supposed to be educational as well as entertaining and informative. She writes from this perspective of what she's learning as a person who's living with Alzheimer's and I'm writing about it as how I'm coping with helping my sister who's been diagnosed and how I have to try and caregive, become a caregiver for her. So anybody that's been a caregiver for somebody with Alzheimer's, we all sort of unfortunately have to tread the same path and we all are faced with the same things. And we just thought if we wrote this play, um, maybe people who are entering into that world will learn something from it. So that's the intent. We have been writing on it now for quite a while and we've just about wrapped it up and we're sending it to somebody to have it edited. We're on the final stages of getting it completed. So that's good. That is, that's, that is really awesome. That is, that's If you can help people understand Alzheimer's a little bit better and what it what it does and memory loss and and stuff because in your research Stephen what did you find as far as the what happens to those people as they lose their memory are they aware of it are they concerned with it or is there a certain point when they just they lose the faculties to be able to care and then they and then they just kind of exist on a day-to-day basis I've, it's 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 an odd concept for me I've, I've been around my grandmother passed of alzheimer's um years ago and but i never could tell whether or not how devastating it was to her if she knew it was happening to her in the early stages she did she knew she was losing her memory but at one point it, it, it you understand what i'm what i'm asking here yes yes i do indeed um my mother passed from Alzheimer's too, but she was in Australia. And so it was doubly hard for me because I'd communicate over the phone. I think Alzheimer's, there's still so much to learn from it. You know, different people are affected in different ways. And essentially there's seven different stages of Alzheimer's. There's the first stage, second, third, or fourth and fifth. And some people experience behavioral changes and others aren't affected by behavioral changes at all. You know, um, some people, they'll start cussing and swearing something that they might not have done if they were cognitive of all their faculties. Um, but my mother didn't swear or cuss at all when she had it and she was quite far down the line. But there are certain behavioral changes. We're told that once people get to a certain stage, you know, it's gradual down to the fifth level and then all of a sudden it's like dropping over a cliff and down a severe crevice and uh, then it affects people really bad and they 
they go back to a time i'm told that where they're they're happy that they, they choose a place in a time where they're happy and the amazing thing is um things like music there's a connection between music and people with alzheimer's because you can go and sit with people who've got alzheimer's and if somebody's there playing the piano and they're playing these songs from years ago a lot of these people with alzheimer's they'll remember all the words of those songs yet they won't be able to remember what they've had for dinner half hour earlier so it's you know the brain's an amazing thing and i think there's still a lot of unknowns about alzheimer's it is um my, we took my two-year-old son to see my grandmother, and she was at that time in a, in an Alzheimer's care unit, and she treated she acted like she was a three-year-old or a four-year-old and was meeting her playmate, who was my two-year-old son, mm -hmm. and she was like, "Oh, a baby," and it was, it was you know it was so out of character, so unlike her. She would never. She was a dignified woman, and she never would have acted that way. You know, but she went down. She went down the. She went down that road, and 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 I guess I don't. What I don't understand is, do they know they're going down that road, or does it just kind of creep up on them, and then then they lose their memory and they can't remember if they're sick or not? I think it. Um, it depends. Again, on the individual. Some of them, I think, they know they're going down that road. And they'll go and have like memory tests and memory checks and they're diagnosed. And then like Nancy, she made some lifestyle changes. She, she was missing appointments with friends and things like that. And so she went to be tested and that's when she was diagnosed. But there are life, certain lifestyle changes that people can make to slow the process down. But other people like my mother swore that she hadn't lost her, her memory at all and she didn't understand why she was in a memory care facility. But she she had, you know, it was sad. And uh, my business partner's wife, um, she lived here and I used to go and visit her and her, her husband lived next door. She was in memory care and he lived next door and go and visit her. When I went to see her, she'd point out all these family people in the photos and she'd say, well, and this is my husband, but I haven't seen him for years. And, you know, he'd left like half hour before I arrived. So she didn't know. Um, she she didn't know that her memory was gone. I think she thought she had all of her faculties with her. Uh, that is so interesting to me. But, uh, by the way, uh, wish Nancy well for me, if you please. I certainly will. I certainly will. And I, I hope that this work that you're you're doing with her um gets traction and because it's it's you're right it's a very misunderstood thing and unless you're the family member that's going through it i imagine how horrific that is for everybody involved uh to go through that it's it's it can be it can be really hard so i think we could our understanding of it is not complete and we need to know more no no it, it isn't it isn't complete and um you know, sometimes you'll find that the people with Alzheimer's, they, they start repeating themselves constantly. And when I used to call my mother in Australia, she knew I was working. The first thing she always used to say is, when are you sending RJ over to pick me up and bring me to America? Well, RJ is my business partner. But it didn't occur to her that he was also working. <laughs> you know, she knew I was. 
but that was like the first question out of her mouth every time I called and it was like as soon as she heard my voice her brain just went in that direction down that one path and that's why I said that the brain's an amazing thing we we don't there's so much about it, how it works we just don't understand well the, there is something that I do understand that the other thing that you've been spending time doing, and I want to talk about that a little bit, some in depth, because I think what you're doing is nothing short of absolutely fabulous. Telling us, tell us about the building project you're doing. Oh, the the fundraiser for Homes for Yes, Kids? yes. You know, Kevin, there's an organization out there called Homes for Our Troops. They're based in. Um, Taunton, Massachusetts, and what Homes for Our Troops do, they build homes for severely wounded veterans um, so that when they come back, they can have homes where they can walk through the corridors with their walkers and um, they can pull shelves out from above the sink and they can there's space under the sink where they can pull their walker up and sit down and wash dishes and things like that. So they're not quite so dependent on other people and it helps them uh, get a sense of independence. And, you know, last year, as, as you well know, we were all received these, um, what do they call those checks from the government? The stimulus oh, the checks. Stimulus checks, yes. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate, Kevin. I've never, I don't personally need that stimulus check so i thought i'd like to give it to somebody that could make use of it and i did a little google search and stumbled across homes for our troops and i looked to see what they did in nevada and they had three projects going and i thought so i called them and i sent off my stimulus check and i said you know if ever there's a fundraiser out here let me know i'd like to attend it and um, they said, well, right now they're non scheduled. And I said, why? And they said, nobody stepped up yet. So I said, fine, I'll step up. <laughs> so I'll give it a shot. And um, it was a load of fun. I checked out the organization. What I like about them is it's a shoestring operation. They devote 90, uh, about 89 cents of every dollar, I believe, actually goes to the cause. Only 10% is, or 11% is used for overhead, which is a remarkable uh, percentage. That's really they've good. Yeah. 329 homes so far nationwide, and they've really got it down to a fine art. And um, so it was It was a challenge. It was a lot of fun, but it certainly was a challenge. Uh, we found a place to hold the event, and um, we got some entertainment, and spent a lot of time calling local organizations to see if they would give uh, gift certificates for um, auctions and got some hotels to give gift certificates and restaurants and department stores. And uh, I think we got about $11,000 worth of gift certificates to auction off. And um, uh, we actually raised $15,000, which was $5,000 for each of the three veterans' homes in Nevada. But it's a very, very worthwhile cause. And earlier on this year, one of the homes was actually completed, and we got invited to the key ceremony. And I was amazed when I looked inside the home and saw all of the the, the small little things by, like, lowering the switches 
on a wall a light switch exactly you know, so they can reach it without having to stand up or you know put their artificial legs on and um the plugs in the wall having them higher up instead of so low on the floor tiny little details like that that really made it really made a difference so well, I just, feel very strongly about this organization, and uh, I just love them dearly. Well, that's 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 awesome. Well, especially things like the restrooms, uh, the bathrooms that need to be modified, yes. uh, so that people can get in and out without assistance or minimal of assistance, and that that kind of thing. Because there is, you know, these guys gave their all for this country, I, and it is. I, I think it's wonderful that the charity is doing that, but I think that. The government, we all should be making sure that if we send a 18-year-old kid to war and he comes back maimed, that we make sure we take care of him for the rest of his life. You, you I, I agree I agree with you wholeheartedly, but it's nice to have these private organizations that are actually stepping up to the plate and they're making it their sole focus. Um, I'm certainly not excusing the government by any stretch of imagination, but there's an awful lot of worthwhile causes out there you know we mentioned alzheimer's but there's you know leukemia and lymphoma and parkinson's and there's just cancer and there, there's so much so it's nice that there are people who are starting organizations setting up these operations and making things happen and they're making a difference absolutely by the way there's a group up here that i interviewed last week and today they're having their their banquet and what they do they, and they're called the hundred women of um, snohomish and what these gals do is this is not a charity by the way these are just a group of people then there's a chairman and a vice chairman and and they each three times a year get together and they each provide a hundred dollars uh, which is not a great deal of money but a hundred dollars each well you put a hundred times a hundred and that's ten thousand dollars. Yes, that they can then, then then they award that to a charity that that wins. They have a little lottery system, and they win that, and so that they can help local people. Like the charity they did this last time was uh, these. Uh, this charity provides backpacks with food in them, so school kids that don't have any money, or don't, or their parents don't have any money to feed them on the weekends. The only time they get food is at school that they, they provide them with some food so that they can eat on the weekends and stuff. So, you know, there's lots nice. of, you know, there's lots. And, and, and in two years, they've raised $109,000. And, you know, we can all do that if we, you know, because you think about it, um, Stephen, one, a hundred bucks doesn't matter much to almost everybody, but it can matter. It can make a great deal to that the small percentage of people who actually need it absolutely no so, question about it so and it's wonderful those ladies are doing it but again it's it does start in many ways at the local level it takes somebody yes locally to say let's do this or a group of people and and expand it and build upon it and it grows and um makes things happen and congratulations way to step up young man you should get Oh, <laughs> actually, it was, it's the, all, all the people. It's amazing the number of people that came through. And, you know, bless their hearts, people came through with donations at all level. And 
and some people can't necessarily afford much but when it comes to veterans i think people are pretty giving and um they recognize the sacrifices sacrifices made not just by the veterans but their families as well their families are making huge veterans that the husbands and wives of those that have been out there serving that come back maimed and the kids they they make huge sacrifices too oh absolutely and well and and so so how big are these houses are they like two bedroom or three bedroom yes there are a couple of bedrooms there uh this one that uh we saw is like 2800 square feet oh wow um, that's huge you know well of course you know the the bathroom and the shower has to be really huge you know for a start um and the the closets are pretty huge as well but the dining room area is pretty big and the, the kitchen was a nice size um it was just very very nicely put out and laid out and planned my sense is that they're pretty much cookie cutter kind of homes if you will um they they probably stick to the one format wherever possible i suspect um but they did a nice job of putting it together and um the day they turned over the keys i mean the the veteran and his wife and kids they were just so um so overwhelmed by it all and um the people attended um they lined the streets and all carrying their flags and uh the the veterans family they had a an escort you know the fire department and police came and 52 people <laughs> on their motorbike from all these veterans organizations i mean it really was a big deal and i think it was a big deal for the family and i don't know it just made you feel very proud to be an american you just it just was well you know when you when you think about it that they went from living in an apartment that wasn't very accessible probably to then having a beautiful home that they could call their own that they can live in and afford and uh and stuff that's that and and the, he gets the notoriety and the attention that he deserves for being a veteran and, and for giving so much yes. to this country. Yes, so that's indeed. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely awesome. So what outstanding thing is in your future next, young man? What are you going to do now? <laughs> well, I'm, I've started writing on my, my sixth novel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um you know, the first two were about uh, a fictional wedding chapel in Las Vegas, and that was a mainstream fiction book. And then the third one was a murder mystery, murder aboard the Queen Elizabeth II. And then the fourth one was discreetly yours about the aforementioned three ladies that work for the escort agency. And um, and that's for you. And the fifth yeah, one yeah. was the Christmas one. Sorry? Yeah, no, that, I was just going to say, and that one with the three uh, uh, ladies from the... That was purely... Um, out of out of your imagination you didn't do any research behind that at all no i absolutely didn't it was just i imagine it to be. but you, you know kevin they say write about what you know and i haven't you know i've never been married and here's me writing two books about a fiction las vegas wedding chapel what in the world <laughs> do i <laughs> and then you know i had the murder mystery and I, I may have felt like anybody? murdering a few people from time to time, but I've never actually done it. Um, and then, of course, that. But I suppose of the Christmas book, I do know something about Christmas because I happen to like Christmas as a season. Um, so that one was easier in many respects. 
And this one um, is going to be a very light paranormal book. Um, it's about a wealthy American widow that decides to go and live back in England where she spent her honeymoon, honeymoon with her husband. And she buys this Edwardian house in the south of England. And the day she moves in, she finds out that it's already occupied by the original owner <laughs> who perched it 100 years ago. And he lives there in a spirit form. And how he kind of moves in on her space, if you will. It's a very lighthearted comic, co hopefully comical, um, story about the relationship between the spirit and this very wealthy widow as she moves into a new home. Do you remember there was a movie way back when? Uh, it was called The Captain and Mrs. Muir. I think it was The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Okay, it was, that's right, The Ghost it, of Mrs. Muir. It was a movie and a TV series. Yes, yes. And that 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 is so. This is, reminds me of that. In a, in a, is it kind of like that? It was one thing that that I was afraid of. That you know, it would remind people of the ghost of Mrs. Muir. However, this is slightly different to the extent that he does. He is not visible to her in any shape or form. Ah. He communicates on a written piece of parched paper. And there's oh. no pen. All of a sudden, this parched paper will suddenly appear on the table and ink starts filling it out. So there's a lot of communicating where he writes things and then she can speak back to him, but she can't see him. That, that, you know, I wouldn't even worry about it, uh, Stephen, because uh, it's like, um, do you remember True Grit? Yes, I do. With yes. John Wayne? John Wayne, yes, the West. They made a sequel, or they're not a sequel, but they remade that um with um uh, i forget his name anyway um uh, and they remade that and most people didn't even know that there was the first one anyway <laughs> well this is this is true you know you have to be well, we, we all think of that 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 movie and a fair to remember with um deborah carr and carrie grant and they remade it um yep. uh, i think with annette benning and they always said that was a remake. And point of fact, that an affair to remember with Deborah Carr and Cary Grant, that in and of itself was a remake of the original movie with Irene Dunn. So yeah. people don't think of that version as a remake. So it's amazing how people do forget things after a certain period of time. Well, it's it's, it's, it's slightly different and it's it's a, a fun, fun situation. The, the sad thing is, is that... Uh because the generations keep moving and and Hollywood keeps moving and they've got it's, it's people like that I I can remember from my youth that were that were older gentlemen or ladies at that time like Bing Crosby and and Bob Hope and and even even uh, um, um, Dean Martin although he is he's still remembered because he has a Dean Martin celebrity roast but a lot of these guys the the younger people, and, and when I'm talking about younger people, I'm talking about under 40. Mm -hmm. uh, don't remember, don't never, never saw a Bob Hope movie or the, his Christmas specials or any of that stuff and, yes. and stuff. So it's, everything changes. So, and what, what, so now that book is brand new. So that's, that's a really good well, thing. This is, this is true. And, you know, you're talking about people have never seen that. 
the choices these days when you when you think back you know there was just a few movie studios you know there was mgm and paramount and disney and a couple of others and um even tv when it came out you just had abc nbc and cbs and yep. now you've got hundreds of channels they're churning out movies at the rate of knots you know you you can't keep track of them all there are so many being churned out and got all these movie channels on TV and movies that never actually make it to a movie theater per se. You know, they're just made for TV movies. There's so many. And it's the same with books, you know, that um, now it's so easy to self-publish. People are publishing their own books um, at the rate of knots. It's, it's, you, you don't have to go through a traditional publisher anymore. No. And you don't have to go to a bookstore to buy a book. You know, Amazon's now out there, and if your book's there and people know about it, they can get it there and drop it into their computer within 10 seconds. Um, the it's choices amazing. are much. There's so many more choices now. You're not limited to a, a small number of options. Boy, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Um, there are at least a quarter of a million a active podcasts. And, uh, of all, of all types and matters. So, you know, everybody wants to be a content creator. Some are better than others. And, uh, but everybody thinks everybody wants to be a writer like you, uh, because you're a successful writer and, uh, you've, you've, uh, and, and you've done really well. So, you know, but it's a different day. It's a different time. It, yes. And it, it's not easy, you know, certainly if you're a self-published author, it isn't easy that they, they say the average independent author essentially gives up uh before they've sold a hundred books because the marketing is just so tough it's really yeah. hard to market you know it's all very well to say well put your book out on amazon people have still got to know that it's out there um <laughs> and so it's really tough but uh i was determined i wasn't going to be one of those authors and set up book signings and book presentations and wherever they would take me and go and talk about the books and um i've enjoyed the journey that's and that's the key it's probably like what you're doing with the podcast um the success is is just as important if you will or even less important as whether you're enjoying the journey that's what makes it fun it, it is there is nothing but the journey uh because well i'll never reach a destination I will continue to do this, and so will you, because it's in your blood. You just love to write, and then you love to go and uh, and do book signings and talk to people, and and then have a good time. So that's that really. And at the end of the day, you know, that's really all that matters. That's that means it. It is Kevin, because when I published the first book, um, I went and got some help with the cover design and uh, and the typesetting and the editing and what have you, and and it was going to cost over three thousand dollars before i'd even sold a book oh, and wow. i thought yikes i i don't know as i want to invest this into such an unknown product you know i didn't know how it was going to sell or how it was going to do or even how good it was to be quite frank with you but the company that helped me imagine communications um the owner said, look at it this way, Stephen. If you go on a cruise to Alaska, it's going to cost you about $5,000. You'll have two weeks worth of fun. And he said, you invest this in a book. 
and he said it's going to take you on a journey that you would never imagined and you know what he was 100 correct it has taken me on a journey and a path that i would never have thought that i would be taking and you know life just throws you the curves and um so sometimes it isn't always about the financial investment because there's other ways of getting the enjoyment and the satisfaction oh absolutely and and just just by you getting getting out there and and doing it and and you're just having a great time with it and and you know at the at, at and you know you've got sad to say you've got more days behind you than ahead of you probably um you know and and so just make fun make it fun for yourself and have a good time doing it and keep active with it and keep working on it yes well i'm still hoping that i haven't had more days <laughs> i'm hoping i'm going to be like irene Cara. you know i'm going to live forever <laughs> i you know in, in reality in, you're probably correct you know <laughs> well, you know but the thing is is that i don't know about you but i don't feel like i'm 64 and and my lifespan is you know statistically speaking my lifespan has got uh what 14 years left or so uh, on average i don't feel that i feel like i'm young and I'm going to be in spry and can live forever. And so I, maybe, maybe that's the secret. Maybe if you believe you can, you can, what do you think? I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And, um, I, I don't know. A lot of people say, Oh, I'm not going to retire because I don't know what I'm going to, you know, what would I do? And then a lot of people, they, they don't know what they're going to do when they retire. But I've got to tell you, I don't know where the days go. I don't even know where I found the time to work um, because the, the days are just full. And it seems like I come into the office in the morning, I answer emails and I go and check a few sites like Facebook and things like that. And I, I'll pay a few bills, do a deposit, um, write a little bit for my book or something. And uh, I don't know, the next thing I find out it's lunchtime and I go and have lunch and then I come back and the next thing the afternoon's gone. and I just don't know where the days go and I'm not wasting any time. It's not like I'm sitting at the desk twiddling my thumbs. The time just goes. Oh, it, 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 it really does. My day started today at six o'clock in the morning and I got up and I, and I had some work I had to do and some prep work and stuff. I've done four podcasts today. Oh uh, my. So That's a lot. It, well, it is, but but and you're the fourth, by the way. But oh. I en I enjoy them all so much, and it's you know it's now quarter to four, and uh, we'll we'll ra I'll wrap up talking to you, and then I've got more work to do, and it's like, and I keep reminding myself, you silly sucker, you're supposed to be retired, um, but I'm working more now than I was when I was working. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's. It's funny when you think about it. Um, the only thing is you're not getting that little paycheck at the end of each week or at the end of the month, but um, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm with you. I used to have a full work day, and now I was up at 7 o'clock, and I haven't stopped either since, uh, since I started in the office at 7. And I've probably got about another hour and a half after I've finished talking with you um, before, it's, before it's all wrapped up and finished. And then it's dinner time, yeah, and then it's, yeah. And it's, Life is what you make it. It is. 
It is. Well, you know, in the, in the important thing, and I, I reference my dad a lot because he's kind of a, a, a shining example of what not to do. Um, he, he was an executive with Nordstrom for like 35 years and he worked six days a week and he, he made good money and, and stuff, but he had no, he really had no a life outside of that. And so in, he was, he was one of those executives that were, when he went to work, he was Mr. McDonald and everybody said, Oh, Mr. McDonald's coming We got to make sure everything's right and stuff because he was, he was the boss. He was in charge of, of lady shoes for forever and uh, for the entire company. And so he was like, and so everybody respected him and he had all of this self-respect going. And then, then he was, he was talking with his boss, whose last name is Nordstrom one day when he was about 59 and he said, you know, I might want to slow down a little bit. And the next day this Nordstrom brought his severance package to him and said, here, why don't you go ahead and retire and we'll pay you for a year and we'll give you benefits for a year and, and stuff like that. So he, he took that, but he, I think today he would say he wishes he didn't do that because, you know, all of his friends were still working and he, he no longer had an identity he wasn't Mr. McDonald anymore. He was just Jack, that old guy down the street. And uh, and he played golf for a while, but then he fell and couldn't play golf anymore. And so he ended up sitting down. And wow. uh, and so, you know, because he didn't he didn't have it in him to do, you know, to turn around and and morph it into a career like what you've done and and writing books and and keeping yourself a vibrant active you're in the community you're you're uh, working with um other folks to to make things better for everyone so i applaud you for that and it's also healthy for you to do that thank you kevin um i think well i i'm not too sure as we're necessarily put on this planet to just be there for ourselves i think people take care of me all the time that they just do they're looking out for me and it's incumbent on me i've been very blessed to help others out too and i think that's what we're here for to to try and make our little corners of the globe just a little bit healthier and happier and for everybody around us that's all most of us can hope to do you know unless you're a, a monarch or a president or something like that we're all somewhat limited in what we can do and how we can affect change but if we stick to it in our own communities like those ladies uh with a hundred dollars they're making a difference they're making a difference in their corner of the world and and they don't even talk about it that's what's interesting and and the lady that i was interviewing she she then turned around and said well the one thing that i haven't told you is that i also collect pajamas for the homeless and uh and she'll get She'll get this last year. She got 800 pairs of pajamas and in her spare bedroom, she's got them sorted by size and color. And, and then she doles them out to the charities, the, the homeless shelters and the, and the women's shelters that need, that need pajamas and that kind of stuff. And she didn't even tell me that that was well, it. That. Yeah. So the, and so there are angels among us, which is a segment that I'm going to start doing. It's going to be called angels among us. And we're going to highlight charities and, people that are selflessly doing good works in our community because they don't get talked about nearly enough. Did you, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There's, um, you're talking about a homeless shelter. There's a, a 
a food bank not far from where I live, and it's run totally by volunteers. It's affiliated with the, with the church, but one of the members decided to start up a food bank, and they've had it going for several years now, several years, but it's all manned by volunteers. They, they get people to come in and donate, and they get people to dole it all out, and they man it so many days a week, but it's all every single bit nobody takes a penny for themselves for doing any financial reporting and sending out the thank you notes to the donors and all that things and they they organize golf tournament fundraisers and um it's a, it's a beautiful charity that's society of saint stephen and they uh, all volunteer but just in the local community here for the homeless that that is that is so cool and we just need more of that if yes. we, and because you know we we're all in this thing called life together, and uh, our community needs to grow and become a one big great big community, and uh, we can all work together to get that done. And thank you for the work that you're doing. That's awesome. And thank you for what you're doing, and with a positive attitude and keeping things positive, it makes a world of difference. I'll tell you, you know, right there's, a, there's there's a lot to be said about. The power of positive thinking. There's an awful lot to be said about it. No question about it. No question about it. It's, and in order to keep my positive attitude, I'm not watching the news anymore, which I actually highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I followed that path a couple of years ago. Um, I'll tune in every now and then, but I used to be quite an avid uh, news person. I, I used to like to know what was going on across the world because probably because I have family in so many different countries. Um, but it's it's not exactly uplifting. No. I wish um, news segments would adopt like what you're trying to adopt. You said you're going to have a new podcast called Angels or For Angels. It would be nice if the news pod, uh, the newscasts had like a 10-minute positive section out of their half hour or their hour, say. The last 10 minutes is now going to be focused on good things that are going on in this planet and that highlight would, some things. I think that, that would be, make that would be a start in the right direction. No, I agree. The the sad thing is that the news guys will tell you the ones that are uh you know doing the ratings and stuff, they'll say, hey, that stuff doesn't sell. We gotta do the the nasty stuff. I don't think so. I think they <laughs> might want to give it another try. And I would have thought if they're doing the ratings and what have you, they've got to have seen how the numbers of people who are watching these programs is just dropping and dropping and dropping because I think the, the public at large is just kind of tired of it. And people like yourself and my to a lesser, myself to a lesser degree are just turning off. I, I agree. I agree. And I would, I, I thank you. I would, and uh, I, I want to follow you along as you go down the road. So, I'm going to, I'd love to have you back. We'll make this an annual event and we'll have you back next year. What do you think? I I love it. I, I was very thrilled to receive your invite to come back on your program, Kevin, because I remember when I first heard about you and I emailed you and I said, I don't think I'm the kind of guest you're looking for, but I do like what you're trying to do, put out a positive message. That's how I wrote you. And I didn't think I'd hear back. And you said, 
you're exactly the kind of guest I am looking for. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly right. I'm looking for people who are positive, following their passion, working to live every day as best they can, and doing something meaningful. And putting books out there the way you are, helping with with uh, um, the Alzheimer's Project, helping with the you know doing you're 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 a good man, and Thank and you, there have got to be. And by the way, being a good man is enough. But you're doing more. That's even better. Well, we, uh, because I have been truly blessed, Kevin. It's certainly, uh, I've just been blessed since I was born, but certainly since I've come to America, um, I was one of those immigrants that came with two little suitcases and $500 and a job to come to. But $500 is nothing to start life in a brand new country where you don't know anybody, I might add, except one person. Um, but uh, I've, I've been one of those that have been able to live the American dream. And it's been absolutely great. People have always been supportive. And it's certainly at least incumbent on me to give some of it back. It just is. And, and bless you for that, sir. Yeah. Um, so in any event, I want to thank you again for being here. And, uh, and Stephen Murray has been our guest. Go to his website, which is authorstephenmurray.com and uh, discover the Christmas spirit. Pick up the book. It's, uh, it's, it's brand new out. And uh, it's, 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 I, I'm, I'm going to go get it. I think it'd be fun to read. So, and uh, it's getting if, great, great reviews, which makes me happy. Yes, it does. It, you're getting you're getting some really cool reviews on it. So, mm -hmm. congratulations, sir. Thank you very much, Kevin. And you and have your listeners for tuning in. Oh, you betcha. Well, the people will um, listen to this now, and they're going to get to listen to it later. We're on YouTube, and we're on Facebook, and we're all over the place. So, um, <laughs> one of these days, you may hear that 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 we've hit it big. We'll see. So, so and you may hit it real big too yeah we, we may suddenly find you on cnn or fox news or abc prime time or something like that we never I know can, well i can tell you this i can pretty much guarantee you you won't find me on fox news oh, but that's a, <laughs> but that's a personal preference so so <laughs> so i want to thank you again sir wait right where you are i'll be right back sounds good Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of kmmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named kmmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.